again <laughs> another episode of uh, the top lobster show and this is going to be a simulcast or a swap cast however we want to call it we you were actually messaging me before that you kind of wanted to do um like a big uh a conglomeration of of the meeting of minds of retarded people and have like a <laughs> have like a like a really cool like you know a mixing of whatever we believe and and whatever we think and i think that that's a good idea so this could be the start of something really cool I'm excited. I'm joined by David, uh, host of the Ravens Watch. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm sure that a lot of my a lot of my audience has probably seen me retweet you at least. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. By the way, it's always nice to get a little uh, love from people that you respect. Uh, so, I have been a podcaster for probably like seven years, but I stuck primarily to comedy, and um, I was always immersed behind the scenes in sort of conspiracy theories and the paranormal. And I never pulled the trigger on it. And I, I think I was just kind of being a bitch about it. Uh, and I didn't want to, I, I thought it wasn't going to be well received. So I figured instead of harassing like my immediate family about, you know, the Illuminati and lizard people and Bigfoot, that I would finally take to the internet and do it. And uh, so far it's being well received. So the, the Ravens watch is uh, a combination of people who are experts in their field, whether it be something occult or esoteric. Um, something conspiratorial or people who have had personal experiences that are paranormal or supernatural. Nice. Speaking of, so this, my show doesn't really cover the, um, the conspiratorial as much. What are your, what are your thoughts on uh, Maui? What's going on in Hawaii? <laughs> so, so Maui for sure. Um, you know, you had Biden just kind of use that, that verbiage of uh, laser focus, right. <laughs> when he's talking about the whole Maui situation and then, you have this weird shit where Mountain Dew, right? Dew being an acronym for direct energy weapons. And they've got all these cryptic kind of apocalyptic flavors, you know, <laughs> whatever it's code red or, or Maui burst or something like that. Uh, so uh -huh. as far as I'm concerned, it looks to me like they they leveled Maui and they're going to turn it into a smart city. And these people like Oprah... Uh, and these these big named elites, they've already got their claws in the corpse of Maui. It's still smoldering and they've already got plans for it. And uh, if you watch the videos, man, these people are all saying the weirdest shit. I know it's easy to Photoshop a beam of light, you know, next to a fire or a burning building. So I can't say definitively that those pictures are real. But uh, you you combine that with how... Uh, you know, we just gave Ukraine billions of dollars and all of a sudden we can't do anything but give these poor people in Hawaii 700 bucks. And I think that it's just clear the board and let the elites move in. I think that's what's going on. I did see that the $700 is like, oof. it's like, I guess their version of the little stimulus check. You're like, hey, you know, hold that. You could buy some spam with that or whatever the fuck you guys do in Hawaii. Man, you know, it really, that one got my conspiracy bone going because I really, I've been, I've been like, not drawing away from it, but like just more interested in, in other things. But I do see this stuff. And I saw that and I was like, oh, like I want to believe everything they're saying about it. But in the end of the day, it could be direct energy weapons. It could just have been a natural disaster. And, you know, 
compiled with everything else, like all the other bullshit and bad planning that happened. But what's definitely true is it's a money grab or a land grab, at least like you were saying that I know for sure in the end. So we'll see how this all plays out. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that those people are going to be screwed. And, uh, we were actually talking about Owen Benjamin before in the chat, but he brought up a good point. These were the same people that were horrible on COVID that were just rule followers, get the vaccine, do what they say, wear the mask. And now look at how that's repaid you. So it's kind of, uh, I'm not, I, I, I wouldn't celebrate it, but it's, it's kind of like, all right, I'm not going to come out to really defend you either. Take your 700 bucks and, and go to fucking New York or wherever they're going to fly you to next. That's it. Yeah. I used to live in Las Vegas. And when I was in Vegas, there was a bunch of people that would often protest about just kind of the, uh, it, there was a lot of, um, I don't know what you would call it. People leaving Hawaii because of how expensive it got. And these folks were out on the on the corners with picket signs and they're talking about the price of everything and how bad it's gotten and how, you know, basically Hawaii is becoming the sanctuary for the elite. They're buying up all the land. They're driving up the prices of everything and they're driving the locals out. And uh, I don't know, man, that's kind of the last straw on the camel's back. I think the locals are out. I think that's it. Yeah. They burned, they burned them. <laughs> if you don't leave after that, that's like <laughs> after the Jewish space lasers, you're like, yo, you know what? I think I'm going to rebuild somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When Mountain Dew has plans to level your farm and it, and it comes true, uh, it's time to slide. I think it's just so incredible. And you know what? I believe the Mountain Dew thing. I saw, I saw something else about Trump recently, uh, with the space force. And I'm just like, like hold on. You know what, man? Sign me up. I'm like, I'm ready to fucking put that back in my veins. It's been three years since I've heard any any kind of crazy ass conspiracies like this. And I'm just like, you know what? At this point, whatever. Let's. I like the crazy ones, man. I I, I see you. You're kind of, um, you know, in this in the trenches uh, with a broadsword swinging it around in these kind of political corners. And I, and I like what you do because it's really just dunking on people. But like. I can't even be in the political realm. The The jargon is so fucking boring. I just want, I want Mountain Dew satellites shooting lasers at Hawaiian people. That's what I, I want that more than I want to listen to shit about Biden. You know, I have my, my politics that I listen to, but I don't talk about it because it's fucking, it's so boring. I want lizard people, man. I want cool shit. I don't want fucking Biden falling up and down the stairs. I want Nephilim. I want fallen angels. I want the days of Noah. This shit, you're right. That's it's what boring. I'm about. It's so boring. That's what people, sometimes they still come to my Twitter page and they're like, hey, Top, what do you think about the non-aggression principle? And I'm like, why? Why are you asking me? Have you not been seeing what I've been doing lately? It's completely schizophrenic. My body of work has been tremendous the last year. And you're going to ask me about what I think about this, uh, this new policy? I don't care. Like, I, I agree. I'd be drinking Mountain Dew right now. Look, I'm drinking Canada Dry. I hate Canada. But I'd be drinking Mountain Dew right now if they put their fucking name on their, their space laser and said, yeah, we did it, and we'll do it again. Um, I'd be like, hell yeah. <laughs> if they came out, dude, and they admitted it, I'd have to, just off a of principle, I'd have to go and grab a Code Red because just, just the balls that it takes to go like, yeah, dude, we've been putting all that Mountain Dew money into space lasers, and we did what we said we were going to do. You just didn't read the cans. I'd be like, fuck, <laughs> man. That's revelation like, yeah, we- of the method. We burned it. Wasn't it extreme? You'd be like, yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of extreme, actually. I like that. It's fucking gnarly. <laughs> Hell yeah, that, that's on brand for me. But uh, 
All right. Enough of the small talk, man. We, uh, you have some, you have some like really interesting stories. We were, we've been talking for a long time before I started the show, maybe even before you started your show, you were just like interested in some of the, what I've been near. Like, I like what you're putting down. I was like, I like what you're putting down. So you were telling me some stuff and I kind of want you to get into it. And, uh, let, let's go wherever this conversation goes. I know you have a couple of story, a couple of stories, but I want to hear what you're saying. Take your time, tell the story. And I might interrupt you cause I might have some questions. So tell me what's going on in your life. What has happened to you? So I never really looked at my life as, uh, being very paranormal, right? Until I started doing the show and I laid out a couple of stories in the first episode and, I think what happens is there's so much space between events that you don't look at your life as being supernatural or, you know, having these experiences. Uh, but when you put them all next to each other and you get rid of all the gaps of time in between, you realize like, okay, yeah, maybe shit was a little weird. So as far as I can remember, uh, you know, some of my earliest memories were of strange things. My grandmother, she was a, uh, a, a medium and, she had sort of crystal balls and, and things of that nature. And I would find out later on in life that she, uh, she thinks she was abducted by aliens on a, on a regular basis since childhood. And it really, oh. you know, uh, deeply disturbed her. But I used to live in this house, uh, in Elizabeth, New Jersey, and it was the first house on Rawway Avenue. And for those of you that don't know, Rawway Avenue was like the main road in Elizabeth. And, this house was old, man, like really old. It looked like a castle when I was a kid. I'm sure now it doesn't, although it's a fucking lawyer's office now. Um, when I was a kid, it was creepy. You know, big pine trees in the front, casting shadows constantly on the house, uh, lion statues in the front entrance, and everything about it was real old. And I have this aunt, and uh, we would later find out that she was schizophrenic. So... In that context, this makes a little bit more sense. But one day I'm hanging out. My aunt is watching me and her two kids. And she tells me, I I must have been like four or five years old. She tells me to go and get the silverware drawer, which is a, a weird request. But I remember it really well. So I'm I go to the kitchen and I kind of work the drawer out. And as I'm walking back to her, all of a sudden, I hear uh, a woman's voice. But I don't hear it with my ears. Like, I, you know, it was so clear that I, I knew that I hadn't heard this with my ears. And this story stayed in the back of my mind. I'm 33 now. And so I think I finally made the cut for, like, if schizophrenia was going to be a thing, I'm fucking good now. Uh but I was worried, man, for, for a long time that I was going to have some sort of episode because of this. So I hear this, this woman's is that, voice. Is that really like, like the science behind it? Because, or, or, or is that just bro science? We're just saying, let's go it's with that. It's got to be bro science, but it, it's, it's my understanding that there is a window from like 23 to like, I think it may be like 29 or 30, something like that. And if I'm off, it's only by a couple of years. And it's basically where if you have a propensity for schizophrenia, then it's going to manifest within that time frame. And also, if you have a, a, a you know latent schizophrenia, even smoking weed can uh, trigger it. Apparently, so these are all things that I read because I was I was afraid of this, and I smoked a lot of weed 
uh, and that was on purpose. It was for science. I was like, I'm going to fucking find out if I'm schizophrenic, I'm going to fuck, I'm smoking enough weed. I'm going to find out. Uh, and nothing ever happened. And so like, I can't even tell you like how much of a kind of relief it is because you just, you never know because her kids, they got it. And this is my mom's sister, you know? So this voice, it's a woman's voice as I'm holding this drawer full of silverware and it goes, uh, it just kind of without emotion, it goes, you're going to drop it. And it was so loud and clear. And I remember the very next thing that happened was kind of like, I don't know, this, this noise, like a boom and reality became distorted and started to twist. And I did drop that shit. And (laughs) The whole hallway kind of twisted and everything went dark. I drop the silverware drawer and my aunt pops up and she, as far as I'm remembering, kicked the shit out of me. Um, It wasn't like a super brutal ass whooping, but, you know, I got like a spanking or whatever for dropping the thing. And so that house that I was living in, there was always these rumors that it was haunted, especially after my grandmother passed, which was either that year or the next year. Um any kind of bump would be explained away as like, oh, that's just grandma. She's just chilling, just stomping around upstairs. And as a kid, you're like, it's soothing, but also, you know, disturbing at the same time. But that was kind of the earliest thing that I could remember. And it was impactful enough. And mind you, like I'm in a house where my grandmother thinks she's being abducted. And my aunt is schizophrenic. She's, you know, told me shit where she's like, I see the devil and I, and I can smell the devil. And I'm like, well, what's the devil smell like? She, and she said, uh, sulfur and, and rotting flesh or some shit like that. Like, that's what she would tell me. Uh, yeah. so there's a lot of weird shit going on there, but you know, I, but, um, I, I will tell you like, so you said you had, a uh, like this kind of, uh, when you dropped the silverware, you felt like the earth was like, like just morphing or I would get that too when I was a when I was a child but uh I remember well, every time I I'd get it I'd be sitting there watching the Yankee game with my dad and my uncle they'd be behind me and I would hear like John Sterling or Michael K whoever's talking and it would it would turn into like this it's hard to explain it was like a, a morphing like inner ear type of thing and it was very disorienting and it's one of those things where I'm like either something like either I'm dying or this just happens and that's fine but I, I, I'm not sure what to make of it, but it, it almost felt like a, like, like kind of like hearing into like another, another dimension or it's like another, uh, a frequency that I wasn't supposed to be hearing. And, uh, as I got older, that stopped, I guess my third eye kind of closed, but it is interesting to, to hear like, like that kind of experience come, coming from someone else. It could have been, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's that old expression of like kids are more sensitive yeah and so and then you kind of said like you know your third eye closing i do think that something happens i don't know if it's the rigidity of society and and sort of logic taking over the brain that shuts that other part off like i remember i had a dream when i was a kid that i i was uh glowing like i had a sheen to me like a golden sheen and i was actually in florida where, where i am now and i'm like climbing up this ladder into the sky and when I, I, I don't know if it was the same dream or if it was a separate day and I had another dream, 
where I came back down, but I wasn't shiny anymore. And the way I, I kind of quantified that, I was like, maybe that was because I was like six when I had that dream. It's like, maybe that's when logic kicks in, you know, maybe that's the beginning of you kind of closing that connection. Cause at some point it has to go away. Right. They say kids have this connection to the other side or the spiritual realm or whatever it is. And it doesn't last forever. Clearly, unless you're some unfortunate dude who's still seeing dead people. But, you know, I think that maybe there is something that happens and I kind of equate it to school. It's like when you sit down in the rigidity of school and you finally give in, like, you know, you're showing up here every day, you know, math is important. Now, you know that you have to read and you have to write. And once you accept that, I think that's when it really starts to change for you. But that's a that's an you know, interesting I, thought because uh, school school along with like other kind of government <laughs> government programs like I don't know maybe fluoride in the water or the the slow poisoning of your food or like why why would there be uh, toxins in a receipt that every time you grab it it just like increases your it disrupts your endocrine endocrine system. There's no there's no reason for it. You can make paper and ink much cheaper. It doesn't have to be toxic, but it's like you start to really think like it's probably all is, you know, a concerted effort to to uh, cover that or, or thicken that that veil, you know, put another veil in between you and wherever you were as a child. So maybe just like prolonged exposure to whatever they're shooting in the air. It's like that kind of closes you off. I, I've been I've been thinking about that a lot lately when you when you think about uh like fallen angels, Nephilim and and what the point of what what Lucifer is trying to do here or what the devil is trying to do here is that all he's trying to do is subvert what God created. That's the best he can hope for. He can take some souls with him in the end he knows he won't win, but for now he could just make things as miserable as possible. So every little drop of sand that kind of separates us from the spiritual world or, or that our third eye staying open and kind of experiencing these other things. I'm like, you know, it's the Jews, but (laughs) it's, it's some, it's somebody there, but, but it's not, it's not all random coincidence. It seems like a concerted effort to constantly close, close people's eyes more and more. And and now, nowadays they've just gotten crazy with it where they're like, here, put this poison, take a hamburger, you know, here's a hundred dollars or whatever. It's like, it's just, it's ridiculous. That That's my, that's my theory. So I think, I think you're onto something there. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I won't even touch receipts. Uh, I get mad. <laughs> like I'll, I'll kind of like a psychopath, I'll grab them, I'll pinch them. And then I'll put the shit like in the plastic bag, you know, and yeah. I get mad if the Walmart dude makes me pull it back out to show him. When yeah, I'm yeah. like, these are precious seconds, bro. I don't know how long it takes for this shit to seep into my bloodstream. I think what they're banking on is for you to put that bitch in your pocket. And, you know, now it's pressed up against your leg and you're, you know, it's hot out and everything. And so that shit is seeping into you. But I think in regards to the whole, you know, uh, Satan's plan, when I was a kid, I became so obsessed with conspiracy theories. And I always had that problem of who is they, you know, everybody would say that who's they, who's the they that's doing this, that's putting chemtrails, that's doing that. And it was like, you can't pin it down to one uh, organization or something like that. The only thing that would be able to execute a plan this well thought out and this this long of a game with this many elements at play, in my opinion, is the devil. There's no way that you're and I wasn't a religious person uh, up, up until pretty recently. Um, and it was because all this shit led me to believe that I'm like, there's nobody there's nobody. I don't care who it is. Biden is not got the longevity 
it's, he's never going to see the fruits of his labor, you know, from a, for a, a program or a deception that started so long ago and that's still going on now and is still going to continue into the future. Men come and go, but, but something else doesn't. Uh, yeah, it's, but yeah, it's even, so, I mean, it goes back to the, to the garden of Eden. It's like, well, what was the point of, of deceiving Eve? It's just, it's just constant, constant, like a uh, inception, constant, uh, what's the, what's the correct word? Just, just like throwing a monkey wrench in, in whatever humans are doing. And God's kind of like, that, that's the interesting, interesting thing about God in my view, because I, I, I was religious. Then I kind of fell away from the church and then I sort of got back into it. And, and, uh, in, in like 2018, when uh, this is like all over the place, but when the IDW started, remember that the dark web, intellectual dark web with all these Yeah, people? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of rejected Sam Harris correctly, kind of went the Jordan Peterson route, which is why you have the top lobster name. And uh, Yo, I was guessing that I guessed that I was like, this motherfucker read Peterson and this is a, a, a Peterson thing. That's fine. I only read one chapter, the first chapter, and I stopped. The very and I was first like, That's one, the bro, name. That's, it. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you need to know. I read that in the foreword. I was like, I can't really read. But uh, it, <laughs> these ideas kind of got me drawn closer to the idea of God. Because I was I was very mad at the church. I was there's a whole thing. I'll tell the story one day. Um, anyway, so the, it got me back into God. But I, I was believing the Bible in a in a uh, like a, a metaphorical sense. Whereas if you've ever seen any of uh, Peterson's lectures where he goes through Genesis and now I think he does Exodus as well, he breaks it down and you can really read every scripture and he and he he breaks it down at a psychological level and it's fascinating. And there's a lot that you could learn from that. And I was like, Oh, that's what the Bible is. It's a, it's a thing that's here and it's lessons passed down. So we should read them because they still pertain to today. And I think I'm still right. That is hundred percent right. Jordan Peterson is right. Yes. But I didn't believe that the Bible was a literal thing. Like I was like, oh, Jonah in the belly of the whale, he would have surely been dissolved, you know, by the stomach acids. And I was like, maybe or maybe you're an idiot and this world is more fantastical than you can imagine. Maybe just maybe, maybe my tiny little brain can't fathom what is possible because God would want it to be possible. So that kind of opened up my eyes to what what we're doing here. And I don't even know where I started. So please pick me up. I'm lost. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, no, bro. It's funny because as you're saying that, I'm like, God damn, like we went through a very similar thing because I was very much into Peterson. I have 12 rules for life and then 12 more rules to uh, antidote for chaos or whatever it was. Um, and I very much bought into this idea of like, oh, the Bible is an amalgamation of allegories and metaphors that are, you know, very intertwined with how to be in this realm. Right. In order to what does he always say? It's like. That's what's good for you, but it's good for your family and it's good for your block and it's good for your community and it's good for the whole world. Like you got to think in that sort of a way. And so I could see that. I subscribe to that, too. But then um, I think another thing you and I have in common is uh, uh, Tony Merkel, who does the confessionals. And it's like the guy once you listen to enough uh, paranormal testimonies from people and you start to see nuggets of consistencies, meaning like patterns, right? These people. What did they share in common in their experience? Well, there's a lot of elements that people who have paranormal experiences share in common. And that starts to suggest that it's much less of a personal experience that's just 
caused by, you know, your own psyche, uh, your own hallucinogenic state because you're in sleep paralysis, whatever the hell it is, there's something else going on. And that coupled with the whole, the symbolism is everywhere. It's in the music. It's, it's in the movies. Uh, it's, it's all over Hollywood. The elites are always signaling with these different symbols. And you start to put these things together in a pile on the floor and you stare at it and this fucking pile is in the shape of the devil. And so, you know, <laughs> if you, if you, if you have that side of the coin, well then the other side is, is surely real as well. And so, yeah, I think where I deviate from Peterson these days is that now there's, it, it's, it's an alchemical, uh, symbolic book. And it, it does have these allegories and it does have these metaphors, but I think it's incredibly sophisticated because it's several things at once. It's not just allegories and it's not just a historical telling. It's, it is like people say like the Bible is alive. And I used to be like, that is such a fucking silly thing. It's a book, bro. But like, I see now what they mean. It's not a one dimensional thing. It's not just words on a page. There is, and then you take into consideration the numerical value of everything, right? Like gematria and everything. Oh, oh and, boy. And, <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, holy shit, this, there's something really wild about this book. And so, yeah, I think uh, it's just funny to hear you say Peterson. And, and it's funny because I, I did, I was like, is that what the fucking lobster thing is? Is he, is he uh, part of the dominance hierarchy? I'm at the, the top of the baby himself? boy. There you go, bro. <laughs> I'm killing it uh, up here. So I, I want to get into one of these other stories because it's, you know, we got uh, about what, 45 minutes left. Oh, and wait, so yeah, before before you go, I, I wanted to bring up the Tony Merkel thing again. It, it was it's it's very interesting about that that one guy, because my faith, I thought my faith was good. My faith is even stronger. And, and it's not even from going to church. It's it's hearing that guy's testimony because he's he's talking to all kinds of people and, and he's still coming at it from this Christian point of view rationalizing it in the, in terms of, you know, in, in, in under the lens of, of a Christian. And it just makes the most sense of anything that I've seen. And now, like, like, like you said, I've seen the other side of it and I know for sure there's something more going on. You know, Pe- people will be like, Oh, we have to, you know, so hand wave the spirituality aside. There's what about this? What about that? And I, and I just look at them, I laugh or I'll mock them online because it's so obvious now after, after COVID it's like, this world is so completely spiritual. If you don't know, if you're not sensing this now, it might be too late. You might be one of those people that are just going to be lost in the ether. You're behind, you're behind it. But so go ahead. Tell us more yeah. about your, your spiritual story, your journey there. Well, before I do, I just want to say I agree entirely with that. And that last sentiment worries me a little bit, right? Is it like, is the gate closed? Can we get anybody new on the hook or yeah, we are, are we only getting people that are already half in half out? And then you can convince those folks. Cause I, I do think that as things kind of come to a head there, there's going to be a, a huge body of people that just are going to deny shit, uh, until their last breath. You know what I mean? And I don't know what to, that's why I'm happy to do the show. I'm happy to do the Ravens watch because you know, the, the whole job of the show is kind of shine a light on the darkness and show people like there's a lot to all this and it's not just conspiracy theory it's not just meant to be thrown away and it's not just new age spirituality bullshit like no there is a paranormal biblical context you could look at these things through but um so one of the real big things that I, I would say this is a huge one for me it felt really personal it felt like um this was one of the first things that showed me the world is way stranger than I had imagined and you know as a teenager uh, I, I can't speak for everybody, but I feel like I can speak for like teenage dudes 
we want like mystery and adventure. We want we want pussy, we want weed, and we want mystery and adventure, right? And so I had this this set of circumstances show up on my doorstep one day, and it felt like this big call to adventure. So when I was a kid, um, my mom dated a guy. He was basically my stepdad. They stayed together for nearly 10 years. Um, and his mother was for all intents and purposes, my grandmother, she was an awesome lady. Her name was Barbara. And she was like, to this day, my moral compass, like she really was focused on raising me into a good person. And she had this story that she would share with me. Uh, and it's funny, it's actually one of the things I noticed in your, in your first episode with your aunt, she, she dropped something. I had to hit you up. I was like, bro, this is, I know what she's talking about. Um, oh, yeah. So basically, she would tell she, me these stories. She about, actually and not, said she said that that's what she saw, but I think she said that the hat was slightly smaller. But yes, there's there's insane. variations to them. <laughs> yeah. I had like a dude on uh, just yesterday, and then I had another person on episode four, and they described this guy. He's similar, but he has a slight a- outfit change. But a lot of people that are in the paranormal kind of world. Um, are familiar with this term, but he used to tell me, or she used to tell me stories of the hat man. So what would happen to Barbara? And this is pre-internet, right? We didn't have the ability to like go and find a community of people who had these experiences. She didn't know anything. There was books written about it or nothing like that. She's old school lady, Polish lady from Elizabeth, New Jersey, like, you know, just tough as nails, but had fucking weird stories. So she would tell me these stories. She'd wake up in the middle of the night and she'd be unable to move. And she'd be filled with terror and there would be a man standing in her room. If he's in the doorway, if he's in the corner of the room, if he's at the foot of her bed, it's always the same dude. And it's this guy in sort of a duster coat and a wide brimmed hat, kind of like a fedora, not quite a cowboy hat, somewhere in between, but, and you couldn't see his face and you couldn't see any features really. You could just see the silhouette. And so she would tell me these stories. They were fucking horrifying. I was like, eight years old i have an eight-year-old now i'm not telling him this shit uh but she didn't have any reservations she told me and one of the stories in particular was about how one night she had a sister uh and they shared a room and in the same night they saw the entity so they didn't communicate with one each other because what would happen was they would often kind of just be frozen in fear with the blanket over their face and they'd stay like that until either the sun came up or they fell asleep. So they weren't really like popping their heads out and being like, do you see this shit? Like they were terrified. Yeah. And they're talking about it one morning at the breakfast table and they're kind of doing it in hushed tones. And I think it's just, you know, they probably thought their mom was going to dismiss it or something like that. And then suddenly the mom chimes in and she says she saw it too in the same night, separate bedroom. So as a kid, I don't take this, in, in a, not that I had the ability to, but I certainly didn't take it in a psychological way. You don't see a thing and then have two other people confirm it. And one of them is your mother in the next bedroom over, you know? So to me, this is a real thing. And she said she saw it into adulthood. So fast forward a little bit to about 16 years old. And my mom and this guy are no longer together. And I'm, I'm talking to, an aunt of mine. And she's saying that my grandmother who passed away when I was six, she used to have these, these episodes where this 
bright white ball of light would rise up in her bedroom window at night and she'd be unable to move and she'd start screaming for her mother. And by the time mom got upstairs, the light would go away as if it was playing a game on her. Hmm. And, you know, they would leave. And then a couple of minutes later, the thing would come back. And so that's all I had to start with. But what my aunt told me was, oh, and there was a book she read. And she thinks that the book explained her experiences. But she begged your my mother, her daughter, not to read it. So what's the name of the book? I go to my. Well, that's number one, right? Number one. I'm like, what's the name of the book? So I go to my mom. I ask her. She spills it. No problem. And it's called Communion by Whitley Stryber. So they made a movie out of it. Christopher Walkins is in it. He's the main guy. And uh, and so I set out to Barnes and Nobles and I, you know, I'm like a six. I got no money. So I steal the thing and I never had <laughs> nice. sought out a book on my own. I was basically retarded. It. You stole it. So you didn't have to touch the receipt. Just that's because that's exactly, that's they were doing the receipt paper. And I was like, no, dude, I'm not doing that. But I, I never had sought out a book on my own. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm 16 years old. I have no fucking intentions of reading anything. But this was really interesting to me. So I read this thing, and it's basically this guy collecting firsthand encounters, people's testimonies of alien abductions. But it's got all the same elements that Barbara told me. And that's what really threw me for a loop. Barbara and my grandma never met. They didn't know each other, right? So we have the paralysis, right? When you're getting abducted, there's a paralysis. There's the presence of shadow beings, shadow people. And this is all really familiar stuff to people who are into this sort of thing. I've heard this ad nauseum by this point. Um, there's often an inexplicably bright white light. So there's all these connections, right? Any and then lost, I think even in the book. Any that, lost time? Um, yeah, there was a lot of lost time. Now, Barbara or my grandma hadn't really described lost time. Although my grandmother, she died when I was six. So I, I never really got to ask her any of these questions. But Barbara... She didn't describe lost time. She just described this fucking menacing dude in a duster coat. It looks like Zorro. You remember the old Zorro? Uh, was that Antonio Banderas? Antonio right? Banderas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I fucking love that movie. I, I saw it recently. <laughs> it had three stars. I was like, three stars. This shit was solid. Uh, <laughs> but so I'm I'm seeing all these connections in the book, and I'm like, I got to take to the internet and start trying to figure this out. And the whole thing is basically, you know, you're being abducted. That's what the fuck it is. And yeah. I had, uh, for those of you listening on episode four, I had an author. Her name was Vicki Joy Anderson, and she's an expert in sleep paralysis and, and, and shadow fucking entities. And, and she said some deeply upsetting shit. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. If you want to go listen, go check it out. It's episode number four. But at the end, when she starts to say like what it means to have these experiences, it's not great. Um, so <laughs> I, I, you know, I missed this episode. So God damn it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got to check it out. You got and and your your aunt if she's interested because you know she talks a lot about the Hat Man in this episode. So, okay. um, so basically, I start to see all these connections and I take to the internet and I find thousands and thousands of people having the same experience. So, this is where it gets even weirder. I I I recognize the potential for this being a psychological experience, right? I get that your body is going to put you in a state of paralysis so that you don't act out your dreams. I also get that waking up in that state might make you afraid because it's new. And I know that you're on the cusp of sleep. And so there's a hallucinogenic aspect to dreams. Maybe you could be projecting images around the room in the shadows. I'm aware of all this. I'm also aware that 
the more you look into this shit, you're going to have a nightmare about it. You know what I mean? Like it's like if you're watching nothing but Freddy Krueger movies, you're going to have a fucking Freddy Krueger nightmare eventually. Well, it's which it's also that uh, have you considered this when you started your show? The reason I didn't start my show as quickly as I did. Number one, that guy Jinx is a dick. He said, you know, he was working on a video for me that didn't pan out. But it was also the hesitancy to start it because it's this is a door that you're opening, you know, and I'm fully aware that is like, do I want to look on the other side of this door? And obviously the answer is yes. But uh, what what looks back? What comes back? Are you are you in a good place mentally, spiritually to do this? So, yeah, that's that's a big thing. Even people like listening to this once you're once your mind is open to this stuff, you are now you're now sending out a signal that like. Not not just to other people, but to other dimensions, probably other things that like this person is a beacon. They're they're aware of what's going on here, you know, and it's it's one of these uh, lines that you got to walk, because if you're not aware of what's going on here, then you're vaxxed to the max and you're probably dead at 30 heart attack or, you know, just or just an NPC walking aimlessly thinking that, you know, God's not real. The Bible's fake or this is all, you know, we live in a in infinitesimal space and we're just a speck that's not the truth either so which way which way western men which way do you want to go i i've chosen yeah it's it is a slippery slope and since i've started doing the show things have in some ways ramped up but when i say ramped up i mean like there's a hierarchy to these entities and i think i've seen some shit before and then i've seen some lower end stuff kind of shadow people so my dreams have gotten a little bit weird and i've had some experiences around the house but i don't make any uh sort of illusions about it like if anything's going wrong i invoke the name of christ and i try to be right with god we all falter and so i'm better other times than i am you know sometimes uh but I do think that it wasn't really hesitancy because of the the fear of sort of staring into the abyss and the abyss staring back. It was really hesitancy because I didn't know that I was equipped to talk about it. You know, like Mm -hmm. I I can speak well and I I can regurgitate some information. But like when you see the caliber of people that are in the space that know their shit and do their homework, I, I had these sort of reservations about like, what do I have to offer? And I realized that I'm not offering me. I'm offering the guests. So if you watch my show, it's very much guest centric. Like I don't really chime in. I let them do their thing. I took that note from Tony Merkel. I think he does a fantastic job of that. It's like letting people share their testimonies. So, and then if I recognize somebody needs a hand with the conversation, I'll pop in. So the the show is not about me. Um, And I, I think that's how I got over that hump. But honestly, the main way, the main function is, is going with Christ, invoking the name of Christ, trying to, live right uh because i don't think you're in much of a good solid standing to invoke the name of christ if you just suck ass and you're not doing the right thing uh but i think the other thing about it too is like if not this then what else like what are we fucking doing here you know we pretend that this is not a spiritual realm that this isn't uh uh you know a, 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 a sort of a place of spiritual warfare some of us pretend that and then the, those of us who know that that's true well then you have a problem you know that right you know that this is spiritual warfare you see all the i since 16 years old i'm looking at conspiracy theories and symbols and all this crap and illuminati this and reptilians that and like you don't i don't think you get to know 
for example, myself personally, I didn't, I'm not allowed to know what I know and not partake. You know what I yeah. mean? It feels hypocritical. It's like there's an arena and I'm, I'm opting out of the arena. Like, I don't even believe, I believe that politics is sort of a rubber mask, you know, and that it's, it's a, it's a puppeteering dance. And then behind the politics, there's something much more nefarious going on. And I, I have that on good authority. It's not just like a, a, a hunch that I have. And so if I, if I think that within myself, I know that, then who am I to opt out? That that's like the biggest pussy move in my book is like all this shit that I know, you know, if you bump into me in, in a supermarket and you want to shoot small talk, you'll be entirely underwhelmed by me. But if you bump into me somewhere and all of a sudden you start talking this shit, you're gonna be like, oh, my God, this guy, I have useless what I thought was useless information. And this is the only context in which I'm useful outside of, you know, welding and being a, a husband and a father like this is. I'm I'm a bitch if I opt out. So I think that that's really where it comes from. But, um, you know, so like I was saying, I, I have this this notion that like if I keep, like you said, looking into the abyss, it's going to look back at some point. But I also knew that that could just be, you know, I had dreams of Super Mario when I was a kid and I fucking played a lot of Super Mario. So, you know, <laughs> it, it's hard to say which one's happening. So sure enough, though, one night the shit does happen and I wake up and I realize I'm paralyzed. And when you wake up in this state, like your brain is, is firing on all cylinders, which is the weird thing. You know, it's not like I wasn't drowsy. I was like, oh shit, this is happening. And I went through some stuff to kind of calm myself down. Like, all right, we expected this. And I'm looking around the room cause your eyeballs work, you know, nothing else works. And suddenly I see the shadow of a man walk across my room. And as soon as that happens, I'm hit with this unbelievable layer of fear like it doesn't even make sense how afraid i was you know I, I we've all been in scary situations this was like i can only equate it to like fear for my mortal soul i was wow. experiencing doom like the fucking the sensation of doom and i was also experiencing this sensation of being uh electrocuted or 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 vibrating like a intense buzzing sound kind of locked my arms out, locked my legs out. And this only lasts for like a, a two to three second count, right? Hey, I'm hit with this feeling. I just want to interject. When, when I was younger, that's another thing that it's like, the more I think about it, it is that like, it's a light vibration, almost paralysis, but feeling like, like I'm shaking, but I'm awake. I'm conscious that my, my father and my uncle are in the room. So man, what the fuck happened? Yeah. Okay. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, they say that Vicky Joy Anderson episode, uh, for she talks about something that even the confessionals has mentioned. It's like this infrasound thing. It's the beginning of it. This vibration is the beginning of something trying to happen to you. And for me, it was like, I didn't have a fucking option to shit. Somebody hit the button and it fully sent me. So I have this buzzing, I have this fear. And then suddenly I black out. I come back to, and all, I'm now on the opposite side of the bed. My girlfriend who I was dating at the time, her feet are by my head, but everything looks right. The room still looks right. Everything's normal. And then all of a sudden this massive bright white light, like unbelievably bright. And this is shit you'll see over and over again. Like you'll hear these descriptions over again, the, the buzzing, the light, uh, you know, being moved around and shit. So this light comes pouring out of the closet. There's no light switch or nothing. In the, there's no light bulb in there. And it's so bright. It, once again, my body locks up, this electric buzzing sound happens, and then I, I pass out. 
And so that's literally the end of that experience. There's nothing left there. It's just, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, shit, man. Like I thought it was going to happen and it did happen. But the only takeaway that I really have. Why'd you think it was going to happen? Because I was looking at the shit so much. Like I became, I get obsessive over things. So like it, it works really well for learning shit. Like I taught myself how to weld and, you know, I excelled at, at boxing and Muay Thai and all this shit. I grab onto something and I go really hard and then I kind of like fall off of it. And I mm-hmm. just know like the way I sunk my teeth into this whole sleep paralysis shit, like I was anything that was there to absorb in 2006, 2007 on the internet, I absorbed it. I got it all. I covered everything. I watched every fucking YouTube video. I was up until like, you know, two, three in the morning, every night, just the glow of the screen on my face, my girlfriend's behind me sleeping. Cause I was, I was homeless, uh, from, like 17 to about 21. And so I had all the time in the world. So I'm dating this girl and she's letting me crash at her place. And I'm just, I didn't have a computer, you know, I didn't have a cell phone or nothing. So she, her house was the portal to fucking information. So while I was supposed to be dating this girl, I was just fucking picking apart the seams of the, of, of this realm. You know what I mean? Just haunting her house. Like the, the portal, <laughs> the portal again, like this is a very Tony Merkel thing. It's an interesting word to use there. Um, and my, my aunt brought it up. She doesn't watch any of this shit, but she had said right in the beginning, she was like, I feel like, I feel like I'm like a portal to these things. And when she said that, I was like, oh shit. You know, I was like, here we go. Mm-hmm. Like we're about to hear something. It, it's very, it maybe maybe like you opening yourself up to this stuff, studying it, you are creating like some kind of beacon. Like you're, you know, we are, I think we are special in a way where we we probably can do this. We probably knew how to do this, forgot how to do this. But when you start to look into this stuff, something in your brain might open up and that might open up some kind of small portal. And then these guys are just like, oh, shit, portal here. I'm just going to go ahead and pass on through. What's going to pass through? Who the hell knows? But that's it seems an awful like an awful lot like what you're describing. And and at at least it kind of like coincides with my theory there. You know, I had this guy on uh, yesterday. The episode is going to drop soon. His name is Paul of... um understanding conspiracies and the, I, I never done an episode with somebody where I felt so stupid and so inarticulate. Like he was just so good. I was like, you want my fucking show, dude, you want to just do my show? Cause he was <laughs> so good. His, he's, he, his content is amazing. And you should check out the episode when it drops. Cause it's all about the Nephilim and this clown connection. He, he, and I know it sounds crazy, but he connects the, the aesthetic of the archetype of a clown to a Nephilim and how a clown is a symbol of a Nephilim. And I know it sounds crazy, oh, I, and I, I can't, I can't verbalize it. it like he does. But what he said at the end was, these things will can be cast out in the name of Christ, right? But they will continually come back and try you. And until this emptiness inside you is filled with the Holy Spirit, they're going to try to be, they're, they're going to try to fill you, bro. They're going to, they're going to keep showing up. They're going to keep trying to fill you unless you ask the Holy spirit into yourself. And so that kind of makes sense to me because so much of this dark entity shit is about not letting it in. It always wants to get in. You have to give it permission. You have to open the door. You have to engage in dialogue with it. So there's something that it's trying to get into. And then of course, you know, it's, it's not a leap to think about things like possession and shit like that. Uh, but I thought that was really interesting. The way he put it was like, until you fill that, we all have a void in us. And until you fill it with the Holy spirit, something is going to continuously try and you can continuously cast it out, but you're only, 
it's like your front door is kicked open and you got to continuously go and guard it, but you're not repairing the door. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, every night something's going to come and test you and sure you can send it packing, but it's going to keep trying until you fix the door. So it's um, very interesting to think of these, uh, these entities as, cause like, you know, you think of like a, a, a dark spirit or a passenger or whatever, maybe a demon even. And you're like, these things are wild, but they have these rules, these kind of mortal rules where like you must invite them in or in the Bible. Um, I, I, I think it was a legion, the demon legion where, uh, Jesus, Jesus sees him and he's like, what are you doing, man? And, and, and they have like, you know, they palaver, they have a conversation and he's like, I know the deal. I know who you are. Could you put me in those pigs? And he's like, yeah, sure. Go in the pigs. And it's like, there is like, it's not just like a wild thing. There's like an intelligence here. And, and, and it's, it's funny to see people just completely ignore it. <laughs> just move on with life. And this is not happening, you know? Well, I think that's all by design, right? It's like crush you with every aspect of life. Your, your, your finances and your work life and your, you know, just everything, societal pressures. Uh, it's, it's really well-crafted, you know, that's why there's people of the school of thought of coincidence, you know, which is where you definitely get that whole, we all came from a, something the size of the head of a pin and it exploded into everything that will ever exist. And it was just a coincidence that all these elements lined up and created, okay, fine. Yeah, you can have that. But from where I'm standing, it doesn't make sense for it to be coincidence. And then you have to kind of tip your hat to the, really one the elegant design of the universe but then two the elegant design of the deception is fucking bananas dude like it's so well crafted it works better than any well-oiled machine you're ever going to come across you know i say it oftentimes because i i think like the 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 conspiracy community is so fractured we're all arguing like is it flat earth is it hollow earth is the lizard people real are the aliens aliens are they demons and we all like fight amongst each other and i i'm like man we're all victims to the greatest propaganda machine that the world has ever known. And there's never been one so sophisticated and we're all subjected to it. Uh, but you only have a uh, 10 minutes. So you want to go. So I, I got to get this story. in because this is like, go ahead, yeah. to me, this is, I, I call it like the, the one thing I can contribute, right? Like to the community is my own testimony. And this is where I turned a corner and I was like, Oh yeah, Christ is real. So <laughs> Me and my family, my wife and my son, we we pack up everything into a fucking a Hyundai Elantra and we drive from New Jersey to Las Vegas. We're going to go hack out a life in Las Vegas. It's 42 hours and we get there and everything's real cool. I land with my cousin. It's good to see him. Haven't seen him with a long time in a long time. And, you know, we get a job and everything's pretty cool, but it just doesn't feel like home. And, you know, my wife misses her side of the family. And I'm missing like my friends and everything from back home. And then we end up having a, an illness in the family and it brings us back to New Jersey. And even though we had enough reason, I couldn't help but feel like I, uh, I took advantage of that reason when it showed itself. Like I was glad to see it. You're like, whew, finally a reason. So I don't have to be a bitch. I can just say, oh, we had to go back. You know, that's what yeah. I felt like. I felt like I was defeated and I saw an out and I took the out. And so when we get back to New Jersey, we land with the in-laws and the in-laws are Jehovah witnesses. And it's real hard to, uh, I, I wasn't raised religious and they don't like swearing and, and 
the the conversation is very sterile and I don't do that. I'm, I'm so bad with that. I, I like a real conversation. I can't do that sterilized kind of, you know, formalities thing. And, but this is all excuses. What I should have done was I should have just rose to the occasion, been a good son in law, you know, landed there for a little bit, got up on our feet and then got out into an apartment and thanked these wonderful people for giving us a place to stay and, you know, taking care of us while we were there. Instead, like a fucking bum, I like, uh, I became a recluse and I went inward and I, I stayed, uh, in the room all day. So I'd go to work and I'd come back home. I'd go to the one bedroom that all of us are in. There's two air mattresses, one for my son, one for me and my wife. And I'm just playing red dead redemption Two all fucking day. And you know, nighttime rolls around. I go to sleep, wake up in the morning, rinse and repeat. I'm not having conversations. My son and my wife are, are downstairs with the family laughing and talking my wife is embarrassed because I'm not there by her side. Instead, I'm reclusive. I'm up in this. So, you know, you start to have all these things seep into you, right? Like anxiety and, and anger and depression, resent and all this shit, uh, you know. And I think that those emotions, that, that state of mind, that's energy for these things to feed off. So that's why yeah. what I attribute to what sort of what started happening to me. So it's kind of like takes place in this four night long nightmare. And the first night, you know, I had done the rinse and repeat. I come back from work. I play red dead redemption. Fucking my wife brings me a plate up to the room. Cause I'm too much of a fucking loser to go eat with her family. And, you know, and then I go to sleep that night and I start waking up to something. What feels like a something banging on the door downstairs. Like, boom, 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 real hard. And I know there's a construction site outside, and I know it's still dark out, but maybe they're asking us to move a car or some shit. So I, I pop up, and I look out the window. Nobody's there at all. I'm like, all right. I've been into this shit my whole life, right? So I didn't even get to escape that one incident without being like, was that knocking on me? You know what I mean? Huh. Like, was something knocking on me? Because it wasn't knocking on the door. Nobody else noticed it. My wife didn't budge. Nobody in the house got up to check the door. So I go back to sleep. As soon as I doze off, boom, 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 boom. I get up. There's nothing there. I look out the window. Nobody else notices it. Now I'm really kind of reinforcing that, like, is somebody fucking knocking on me shit? And I fall asleep. Shit happens a third time. This time I just pop my eyes open. Like, I'm not even, I'm not going to get up. I know it's not real. I know now that it's me. It's not the door. I don't know what that means, you know, doing a lot of speculating and it's hard to get back to sleep, but it, it's fucking scary. That morning comes and I don't talk about it. And I always kind of say like in the horror movies, like how come they never talk to each other? How come, you know, one character sees a ghost and he doesn't fucking let the other character know. And I start to understand why that is because nobody can do anything about it. And, and if you look at it, it's like you're giving it attention. Yeah. So I just try to ignore it. So rinse and repeat, same fucking day, breakfast up to my room on a plate. I'm avoiding everybody and playing Red Dead Redemption. It's a great fucking game. And uh, I go to sleep that night. And now I'm waking up to, it feels like something is pulling my arm off the bed and into the air. So I pull my arm back and I'm like, what the fuck? And I fall back asleep. I've, I've obviously known about the first night and the knocking, right? 
so yeah, so now you're putting, putting it together. together. Yeah, and it's it's really upsetting. Like it's really upsetting. So fall back asleep, <laughs> shit happens My again. My arm bro. gets pulled again. <laughs> bro, it, it is the most like I don't want to I didn't want to think about any of this shit. Like it's but, it's a very dude thing to do, like a guy thing. Like if you're sick, you're just kind of like you know what? Like I've been limping for a year and my knee might be broken, but I'm like, fuck it, whatever. Maybe it'll get better. I, I'm, but I'm not going to the doctor. <laughs> that's what it is now. I just fucking limp. This is how I walk. This, this is fine. Yeah, I'm it. still walking. <laughs> so it happens again to my arm, right? So that's two times on the arm. Now I tuck my arms under the blanket like a child, right? Cause I'm like, I can't, it's like you put the blanket over your head and it's like, if nothing can kill me if I'm fucking in a blanket. So nothing can pull my arm if it's in the blanket. So I got my arms bundled up and now my fucking leg, something grabs my ankle and pulls my leg off the bed. Oh shit. And when you wake up, bro, it is, it's, it's pitch black in the room. Everybody's still sleeping. You can't see the like greasy demon, but you feel like it's there. And it's just you in the dark, thinking about your leg and thinking about your arm and thinking that the shadow is real shadowy it's more shadowy than usual you know <laughs> but there's fucking nothing to do about it so i fall back asleep. actually I, I go on my phone for a really long time almost till the sun comes up and then i fall asleep for about an hour or two and then i go to fucking work in the morning so now we're on to night three night three is a big fucking problem so what ends up happening is I have a nightmare right after my, my, my ritual of bring me my plate so that I could play fucking red dead redemption. And I go to sleep. I have this nightmare that I'm in this room and, uh, I can see only one thing and it's a, a, you know, kind of a dude standing in the middle of the room. When I say dude, he's just, he's got two legs, two arms and a head. Like that's about as much of a dude that he was. And, he's got skin like a slug you're from new york right so the, you guys had this the slugs too they were like gray, gray. and black yeah, yeah like cheetah almost cheetah print looking yeah yeah so his skin looked like that but it wasn't slimy and so it's all gray and then black cheetah print blotches and he's kind of fucking jacked not like super <laughs> jacked but he's thick like i remember being intimidated by him like on a physical level like oh this dude could fuck me up and <laughs> he's got like these bottom um canines they come over his lip so the on the bottom jaw they're coming up out of his mouth and he's got eyes like maraschino cherries like they're so bright red and he is like kind of like huh. heaving like he's so uh, this thing i, I it looked like if rage was, you know, rage incarnate, like if rage was a creature, this thing was rage. And that's all the dream was, right? And then around his legs, there's like this swirling black mist. So it's in a mostly dark room, but he's kind of illuminated. I could see him. There's no like light sources, a fucking dream. None of it makes sense. And <laughs> he's got this fucking smoke all around his legs. Uh, and it's real thick, like, like thick mist. And he's just staring at me and heaving like his chest is rising and falling, rising and falling. So I wake up and my wife tells me that she had a nightmare. Like we wake up in the morning and it's normal. I don't want to tell her about my nightmare. I've still not told her shit. And 
she starts telling me about a nightmare she had. So as soon as she says she had a nightmare, I'm like, okay, like I'm ready to fucking, you know, but I'm not telling her what I saw. So she says that she was paralyzed and couldn't move anything but her eyes. And she could look over to me and see a monster on my chest with bright red glowing eyes pinning me into the bed. Oh, shit. Yeah, bro, I'm fucked up. Like when she says this, I'm fucked up. I'm not happy and I'm real conflicted because. Do you tell her? No, though, right? Because why the fuck would you tell her? Does it you're going to feed into it? You're going to upset her. And then you have to get to sleep that night. I'm still thinking like I can handle this. That's how my dude brain works is like I'm not doing anything proactive, but I can fucking handle this, bro. Like if I could just get through another night and, you know, everything will return to normal. So I just keep it to myself. So the fourth night rolls around. And my wife, I have no nothing happens. My wife wakes me up in the morning, though, to show me like a video that she took of my neck, like my jugular, where you would take your pulse, is throbbing. So it's like Mm -hmm. I'm having some sort of really intense dream to the point where before she wakes me up, she wants to show me this, how wild it is. So she takes the video and then she wakes me up. So as I'm watching this video, suddenly my son pops up out of bed crying immediately. Like, you know, when when the kid wakes up crying, it's because of a nightmare, you know? Not like he woke up and couldn't find somebody like we were sitting right there. He was crying and sat up like all pretty much at the same time. And so we console him and we're like, hey, buddy, it's okay, It's okay." And then he tells us that he had this nightmare that a monster with red glowing eyes was after him. Wow. So, you know, this. That's like that. uh, That's like that dogman story. <laughs> I was thinking, is this is this like a, a hairless dogman? But that's that dogman story from uh, the Tony Merkel show where the guy had the dream and uh, he ended up with scratches on his back and then him and his son saw this thing physically. So like manifesting itself in, in multiple realms. For you, luckily, it was just, uh, it's just like in, in the dream space. But in three separate occasions, or, or your wife was awake when... When she saw you with this thing on your chest? She experienced, she doesn't, I I don't think she knew how to articulate it because she wasn't somebody who had sleep paralysis. I think if, if I went back and asked her right now, I I feel as though she would say like, that's the only time she's ever had it. So when you say, are you awake? It's like, I think that I was awake in my sleep paralysis experience. And a lot of people who have it say that they're awake, but like, you could also see how you might not think that because it's totally not a normal waking state. And so, yeah, she had paralysis and she looked over and saw that. So, you know, I I don't know if that means that it bled over into, into the waking realm or if, you know, she was still in between enough that the veil was thin. But when I tell you that I, I went into problem solving mode so quick, like this was no longer, a thing that I could let slide and I had to address the situation. And like, if you're asking me right now, ask anybody, like, what do you do in that situation? Yeah. You might have some goofy people. Look, man, I'm not saying that people are goofy if they want to fucking wave Sage around. I'm not fucking waving Sage around. I don't give a shit. I'm going to go towards the, the, the most pure and good thing that I can think of. Mm -hmm. And so maybe a lot of other people would had other routes of, of, uh, recourse, but I, I didn't 
I was like grasping for straws, man. But it felt like an emergency. Like I cannot let this go on any longer. For me, it was one thing. For my wife, it was a totally other thing. But once it extended to my son, who was only probably about uh, four or five at the time, I, I recognized like, holy shit, this is an emergency and I have to do something immediately. So, you know, it, it becomes in a way almost anticlimactic. The, the night of the fifth night, I prayed to Christ to protect myself and my family. Uh, and, and that was it. It, it fucking stopped on a dime. I mean, we're talking four nights of tormenting. And on the fifth night, it was done. I bet and you now, that prayer, I bet you that prayer was pure as hell, man. I bet you there was it no was fluff desperate. in there. Yeah. No, bro. It was desperate. I thought a lot about specifically what I wanted to say. Cause I felt like it was important that I asked very clearly, like I need protection for myself, for my wife, and for my son and anybody else in this house and this thing, you know, I, I need it to be gone and it needs to stop. And, you know, from that point on, I was never religious, but like, I feel like a real bitch if I ever like sleep on the idea of Christ. Do you know what I mean? Like if you were like, oh, what do you think about like, I'm not technically a Christian because I'm not a practicing Christian. I don't go to a church, but like. I'll never deny the name of Christ. There's no way, because if you would have felt how desperate I felt, it would be insulting to ever be so low and to call out in such desperation. And then to just, as soon as shit is convenient, drop the idea and be like, Oh yeah, Christ. I don't know. Maybe he was a dude. Maybe he wasn't like, I don't know. I know that Christ is something a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I'll never deny that because if I'm ever that level of a fool, then uh, you know, I deserve whatever's coming to me because that was, that was a low point, man. And, you know, I bought all that on myself. It was like, I could have rose to the occasion. I could have been a better father, a better husband, a better son-in-law. I could have been more grateful. I could have, uh, swallowed my pride and just engaged with these folks who are putting me up and taking care of me and my family. You know what I mean? Like I could have done so many other things, but instead I took the coward's route and you don't get away from that. You know, that internal narrator chews you apart. No matter how much I was into the game and shit like that, like, I knew what I was doing. You don't escape yeah. that kind of shit. And so, you know, I, all of that I bought on myself. But what I like to say is that it was the it was the ultimate blessing because the person that I am, like, I, I, I always say to people, like, I came to Christ, but I came through the, the back door. And the back door is like the occult and the paranormal and, and, you know, shit like that. And, uh, I don't know. It just, it feels like I said, just insulting to ever deny just even the concept of Christ that, that specifically to me, because like I said, I'm not a practicing Christian. I don't read the Bible. I have a Bible, but the language is so I'm basically retarded. So like I can read shit, you know, if it's worded well, but as soon as you start telling me about fucking this dude lived for fucking 900 years and he had 17 kids with names you've never heard of. And you're not even sure to how to pronounce them. And then they had 17 kids, like the whole fucking opening, like, you know, yeah. Genesis or whatever. He begot this and he begot is, that. It's it very like, difficult. Yeah. Give me the cliff notes. I'm, I'm <laughs> God. That's yeah. the thing too. When you're praying it, when you're praying to God, it's kind of like, it, like, like you said, how am I going to phrase this? And it's almost like, you know what I'm here for? Like, I, I know that I should pray to you, but you know exactly what I need and what I, it's, it's a very like a, 
it's a, it's a backwards, it's a backwards way of thinking for me. Cause it's like, I'm trying to craft it perfectly for somebody who can, can express my thoughts in, in a language that, that doesn't exist, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, what a, I, that's um, a great story, dude. I, I love that. It, Real quick, I'm actually going through, you know, my son, I was on the Elijah Schaefer show the other day on Friday and my son woke up in one of these night terrors again where he wakes up and he's not quite awake, not quite asleep. And it was so bad that my wife was like, hey, you got to come in here. And I just logged off. This is a huge, there's like half a million followers or something on the show. And I was like, I got to go. And I logged off and I went in there and it was like, it was a, probably an hour or two hour ordeal. And it's not the first time, but it's been a while since it's happened and I'm just you know, what, what do you do with this kind of situation? Do you deal with it logically or How is, old it, is your son? He's three. And yeah. so he's got no real ability to vocalize what it is that's upset him in the dream. He, when he comes out of it, he doesn't even know that he was doing this. It's very bizarre. It could just be, you know, night terror, as they call it WebMD, Right. Or it could be something yeah. else. I don't, I'm, I'm undecided, but it's, it's, it freaks me out a little bit. And it's been, it's been, you know, it's, it's not just like recently, like, oh, well you started the show. No, he's done this before. This has happened before. And it's just, but every time it happens, it doesn't rub me the right way spiritually. I'm like, something is going on, you know, with this kid. Do you pray on it? Yeah, I do. Is the prayer sincere? I'm not sure. I think, I think that I have to, you got to pray and really ask yourself, like, are you being sincere here? Are you coming? That's why I said when you prayed, you were, you, that, that prayer was like straight from the heart. Because if that stopped, that came directly from your soul. That's like an animalistic thing that came out of you. And it was like, it must stop now. And, yeah, and it that, felt like that. Yeah, exactly. I'm not, I guess I'm not at that point yet. But how do you get to that point? Do you, do I, you know, do you just talk to God like it must stop now? And he's like, you don't mean it like that. You know what I mean? There's, there, there's levels to it. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure. <laughs> well, you know, um, I lost my train of thought before, but it just came back to me when you were saying that the, um, it was, it was a blessing because of the, the way my mind works. Like since I was of the paranormal and conspiratorial, I had to, uh, <laughs> I, I, had to, uh, I had to see, <laughs> I had to see that. Yeah. Like I had to see that in order to get to that place. You know what, you know what I mean? So like, even yeah. though it was evil and it was malicious and it was terrifying, thank God for it. Because it, it, like I said, it made me turn that corner. I think Christianity and Catholicism, they drop the ball a lot. The church drops the ball a lot. They don't talk about the supernatural and the paranormal. They dismiss that shit. And you get like a homogenized, sterilized version of this supernatural book that like we said before it's it's alive on multiple dimensions right it's yeah. it's an allegory but it's also uh a, a record of historical events but it's also like this this thing that speaks to the soul um the church doesn't do that and i think everybody comes to god in their own time in their own way and like, this is what I needed. It was a tailored experience for me because even the fact that like it was happening to me wasn't enough because yeah. my own self-preservation skills are, are trash. You know, I have a fucking lump on my nut right now. I got to go check out at the doctors. <laughs> I keep putting this shit off. I lost, I got, I had fucking cancer. I have one ball. I'm much faster now, but I have one nut and <laughs> I'm experiencing it right now where I'm like, I can't take care of myself. It has to happen to 
somebody else close to me for me to really light a fire under my ass. So the fact that it happened to me and I was able to see it, I think that was the, the key. I saw it. So when my wife described it and my son described it, it all clicked together. I yeah. saw this thing. And even when I saw it, it wasn't enough. And when my wife saw it, it still wasn't enough because I didn't want to instill fear. But when my son saw it, I didn't have the luxury anymore of disbelief. I didn't have the luxury of of not wanting to instill fear. That shit was gone. Fear had been instilled and it was like time to act. And that's what, so when you said that whole desperation thing coming from the soul, like I was desperate as a motherfucker, dude. Like I had to get something going immediately. I couldn't allow it to go on for one more night. You know, I wasn't wow. like, ah, eh, maybe he saw some shit and it wasn't that, you like, know, no, or this ends now. Yeah, this is exactly this shit ends now. Exactly. That's incredible. L- listen, man, I think this has been a great conversation. And I told you I had I had like an hour because I got to go get my wife. We, we're going to put a pin in this. We'll put a pin in this conversation. Um, maybe we'll do it on your show next time you host your show. And I'm, I'll re-listen to this and we'll pick up exactly where where we're leaving off now because I, I could talk to you for another two hours, but I know, I know, listen, I'm scared of, you know, demons and stuff like this, but my wife, she'll rip my fucking head off. So, (laughs) so listen, tell us, uh, tell, tell my people where they could find you, where they could follow you. I'm going to put all your stuff in the description when I, when I have the time to update this stuff. Go ahead, man. Uh, so you guys can find me on YouTube and on Spotify at the Ravens watch. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the Ravens watch, although Instagram is dead and it's kind of boring. Uh, but if you want to interact with me and bounce anything off me, you can always find me at David underscore Lee underscore Corbo. That's C O R B O. You can find me there on Twitter. Uh, and I do a lot of my interacting on there. And if you have some sort of story or, or, you know, anything that you'd want to throw at me, you can always email me at the Ravens watch seven, seven, seven at gmail.com. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Thank, thank you again for coming and talking with me. This was a, this was thank great. You, We're going to do it again. We're going to do it again. This is the top lobster show episode three. I think thank you for, thanks for listening guys. And we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next time. Peace out. <laughs> Later, brother. Thank <laughs> you.